Hello everyone. Uh, welcome to MongoDB podcast. I am Mohit Sharma. Uh, thank you for having me here. Today I'll be sharing my thoughts around mobile development, specifically around Kotlin multi-platform. This is the MongoDB podcast. My name is Shane McAllister and welcome to the show. We're grateful to have you join us for another episode. And in this episode, we turn our attention to mobile development. And I talk to Mohit Sharma, a fellow developer advocate here at MongoDB. It's easy to forget, given how prevalent mobile devices are nowadays, that the smartphone, and more particularly developing applications for smartphones, is a relatively new endeavor and profession. With Apple opening the App Store up to public apps in 2008, and the Google Play Store not hitting the scene as a relative latecomer until 2012, we're talking about an industry that just 15 years ago did not exist at all. I chat with Mohit about mobile development, how he got started in mobile development, his current role as a mobile developer advocate at MongoDB, and we focus on KMM. What is KMM? KMM stands for Kotlin Multi-Platform Mobile. And we focus on what that means for mobile and indeed desktop and web development and the benefits that KMM brings to your development process. Let's get started. Welcome to the MongoDB podcast. We're always glad to have you join us back here to listen. Um, I'm Shane McAllister, and I'm on the developer advocacy team here at MongoDB. And this episode, we are interviewing one of our own, not just one of our own in terms of a MongoDB employee, but also another member and a colleague on the developer advocacy team. So I'm delighted to be joined today by Mohit Sharma. And Mohit, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, tell us what you do here at MongoDB? Thank you, Jane, uh, for inviting me. I'm really happy to join in your podcast. I'm a regular listener. I really like the way things are presented here. Thank you for keeping this up. And uh, once again, I'm happy to be here. So a little introduction about myself. I'm Mohit. I've been uh, a developer from past 10 years. I have mm-hmm. joined uh, MongoDB recently, uh, like two years back, and I'm part of DevRel. That's all from my side. Good, good, good. So we we obviously we've worked together for a long time. When you joined, uh, we were working together on a team. It's been superb experience working with you. But let me go back a little bit further. How did you originally get started in your mobile career? Now we're going to spend this episode talking about KMM or um, Kotlin Mobile Multiplatform, but. I want to delve back a little bit into your background because we know that we've got a varied listenership of this podcast and, you know, we've got a lot of students. uh, We do a lot in the education space and the university space. So tell us how you got started in your mobile career. Where have you been uh, before? How did you learn how to develop for mobile in the first place? So to be very frank, um, I don't have a much of an interesting story of how I got started with the mobile development, primarily because uh, as soon as I got my first job after college, mm-hmm. uh, they put me in a random project and it happens to be an Android project. And at that point of time, it was year 2010, wherein Android was just starting to getting picked up. Like I started with Android 1.4 or 1.5. So I think so I'm pretty great, grateful that I was there at that point of time. And uh, since then, I really started uh, enjoying the framework because it was new. Things were moving in a, at a very great pace. So mm-hmm. I switched along different companies to learn along the way. But as if in general, if uh, if I have to give a suggestion to any of the newcomers who wanted to do mobile development, my first uh, hit for them is to go try to create a b- app for yourself, trying to understand whether do you really love building mobile apps or not. Because while using an app is very different and while building it yourself is very different. So try to figure out by building a very small app by yourself, whether you like it or not. It doesn't matter which technology you use, but try mm-hmm. to build something on your own so that you get a feeler. Okay, yeah, I like it or I don't like it. Yeah, I think that's the best way to go. I know you need to experiment. And, and so in my world in mobile development, it was mostly around in the iOS space, in the iPhone space, because that's where I started. It predated Android by a couple of years. It predated the Google Play Store by a couple of years as well, too. So originally, obviously, in your development for Android, that was not Kotlin. It was pure Java, right? 
yeah it was java and um i think so we started on the same uh, years because you were also mentioning me about j2me so happy <laughs> the project on which i was put in was in j2me and i wanted to port it to blackberry and uh, android because it was a new upcoming project so yeah almost the same timelines and yes uh, it was purely java and um, we used to use uh, eclipse at that point of time it was not mm-hmm. even android studio so things were pretty funny and different at that point of time it's amazing actually to look back and see how far things have come in essentially you know 15 16 years of what we now recognize as mobile development it was incredibly fragmented before that some people will still say it is is fragmented as well too and we'll get into that but you know the the world of mobile prior to essentially it being a two horse race between iOS and Android was incredibly fragmented so when i hear people these days talk about how fragmented the development systems are and and platforms are i go you know nothing <laughs> it was incredible and very tough right there was very little standards as well too and it was a ton of experimentation at least from my my experience so you got started in your mobile career almost by accident but it it obviously led you to where you are now so you said you came to mongobi just about 2 years ago and you joined our developer relations team on the advocacy side how has that journey been for you mohit so far uh, to any of the listeners i would say being in a mongodb is one of the best decisions i have ever taken i'm not saying just because i'm currently an employee of mongodb <laughs> it's just from my own experience as well like the people here have they are very talented and equally very kind and understanding same goes for the leaders as well so it is a very different feeling like although uh, mongodb is a big organization from a outer perspective like from the outer world but within itself i really feel that i am still part of an startup which is moving very quickly changing very rapidly and equally giving you time and opportunity to grow along with it so i i really love that experience and that feeling because till now i have been always moved along the small organizations or big organizations but they were kind of slow but this one is very unique and i i'm really liking my experience here great so and obviously there is a change from being a day-to-day developer to becoming a, a a developer advocate where you're trying to i suppose the whole role of the job in my view anyway is to be the kind of go between engineering teams and essentially our users and vice versa so be that feedback loop how have you found that change from not developing on a day-to-day basis but actually thinking more about creating demos creating content and and getting out there amongst the the mobile community so actually you have touched one of my pain points to be very frank i really miss sometimes uh, coding but i've also realized with this job is that you can still code on a day to day basis it mm-hmm. nobody has stopped you because at the end of the day what i feel as a responsibility being a developer advocate for mongodb is that you have to be on the edge of your technology stack right so mm-hmm. earlier you were building all the time for your organization to come up with the releases now here you have to every time code yourself be on the top of the technology just to be aware what changes are happening within the platform right so sure. at the starting when i joined in i really f- felt that i have taken a, a wrong decision but then as i stepped into the right shoes and with your mentorship and everything i realized that's not the case like i i'm still coding on a day to day basis and i really enjoy doing that so definitely this has uh, changed my perception and another thing which i would like to add on this is that being a developer advocate gives you an added benefit because you are able to learn all the bleeding edge technologies mm-hmm. and you can interact with people trying to understand their problem so being a developer if you want to be very well versed with the technology and you want to feel like you are you know most of the stuff then this is the right kind of a role for you because you will get to learn a lot with this profile and this uh, role Yeah I mean look yes it totally it's entirely I think you know you're at two sides of of a coin really with regard to this because you're getting early access to what our engineering teams our incredible engineering teams are building and you're putting on your I suppose users 
hat and saying, well, how will I work with this? Does this solve the problems that I want to solve? Does it make my day-to-day job easier as a developer? So I, I think from an advocacy perspective, you know, that, that's crucial. And as you say, Mohit, you still get chance to learn new things and, and obviously sometimes very early access to new things. So it can be frustrating at times when things don't work the way you want it to work, but maybe, you know, and, and, you know, we do a lot of alphas and a lot of betas and we might have, you know, six months between both. And uh, we get to play with that in while we're doing that, I suppose as well too. Correct. Yeah. But Shane, to be very frank, I don't get frustrated with a lot of alphas and betas because ever since I've been developing mobile apps, I was always on the alphas or betas, whether it's Mm -hmm. the Android uh, APIs or Android Studio or whatever, because you want to be on the edge of your technology. So you'll have to adopt early and sacrifice a little bit on your performance. So I've been always uh, frustrated with this is not working on my Android studio, but people will say Mm -hmm. that's your problem because you are there on alpha. But then I have to say, okay, yeah, that's my problem. But I know how to work more efficiently for the upcoming releases. So I kind of not agree that I have this uh, thing, but that's how I enjoy it. So you're not you're you're not frustrated. You're used to kind of trying to be at the at the bleeding edge of development, really, not even the cutting edge and and. Just, you know, working around that, trying to find the, the workarounds or the fixes or getting that feedback back to the, the engineering teams, which is the really nice part about this role. You know, the feedback loop is, is really short um, and we get to work closely with the engineering teams and, and then also conversely with our, our docs teams as well. And then, you know, everything else in between. You speak about working with uh, new technologies, which brings us basically onto the subject of today's chat, uh, what we're trying to talk about here on the podcast, which is Kotlin multi-platform mobile. We've both been around long enough to know that essentially, and for those who aren't necessarily mobile developers in the audience, historically, you know, kind of um, building mobile apps falls into two categories. You're building either a cross-platform app or you're building a native app. And we have had over the years, I know I've had a lot of experience of them, is solutions in the cross-platform world. So a solution in the cross-platform world is essentially saying you can build once and deploy anywhere, or you can do this with a single team with a single code base and still deploy out to whatever devices you want. And we've seen lots of them, you know, Flutter, React Native, Xamarin, et cetera, uh, over the years. And I, I suppose... In my view, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Mohit, but in my view, kind of the cross-platform approach is really crucial when potentially time and cost is really important, a high priority, and maybe less so the user experience. And then when you're building natively, it's kind of flipped. Would I, yeah. I, I think that's kind of the right approach, okay? Uh, you're right on that. Like I've also experienced a lot of things, and being a native developer, I've always, you know, have this thing whether I should uh, lean on to the other frameworks of hybrid or not. But I've never been good at the decision, like whether to go with hybrid or native, just because I've been a native developer most of my career, and my preference has been always towards the native. Few times I have leaned upon the hybrid, as you mentioned, when mm-hmm. uh, you have to make choices between money and time. But most of the time, I have always leaned upon uh, the native side. That is one of the very prime reasons why I was very much interested with Kotlin multi-platform. Because I don't have to take that you know, conscious decision that if I use a hybrid, if I get stuck somewhere within uh, like the plugin framework, or if there is a performance mm-hmm. issue, what will I do? With mm-hmm. Kotlin multi-platform, I still get that you know privilege. Like I'm still writing everything natively, right? So I don't have to bother whether, okay, my platform API is not supported because I know that feature is supported by the platform API. That's why I'm building an app for that. Okay, okay. And that, that is an interesting difference, definitely, definitely. And I suppose I'd like to dig into that. Um, you know, the fact that kind of, I suppose, KMM is standing, I suppose, on the shoulder of, of kind of, basically it's native under the core, right? Talk a little bit to me about the, the architecture of that. How does it handle logic? How, how you know? How do you know? If I'm a developer and I want to go at building a KMM app, we've seen this before, where the cross platforms and the the hybrid apps 
overpromise and underdeliver. And and so I don't, as you said yourself, you don't want to invest in a platform that you might potentially hit a roadblock in. We know, for example, that many of the hybrid approaches would always lag native functionality. We wait, obviously, for Apple and Google to release new frameworks and new codecs and, and things that we follow. And if you're a native developer, you can get instant access to those and use those. But if you're using a third-party cross-platform, a hybrid approach, they lag a little bit, correct? Yeah, yeah. Shane, I would like to correct you a little bit. I wouldn't call KMM as a hybrid, okay? Because as per my view, it's not hybrid anymore. Because mm-hmm. why Why we used to call hybrid? Because you're writing a code in one technology and then the compilers were building it out, uh, giving up like ERR files or uh, IPAs mm-hmm. in another technology which could be understood by that operating system. But with Kotlin multi-platform, that has changed a lot. So I'll give you a little brief how that has changed in my opinion. Sure. So what Kotlin multi-platform says or what notion they're trying to bring in, they have noticed that from... Ever since the development of the mobile uh, technologies, everyone was trying to reduce the cost and the time. Why? Because they mm-hmm. feel that they're repeating themselves a lot. On iOS, you're writing the same application. On Android, you're trying to write the same application. Oh, totally. I mean, you had you have entire... I, I've seen companies, have been in companies, you know, single team, single code base, you know, and, and the holy grail was, you know, write once, run anywhere. And... It depends on the nature and the structure of the company as to whether they were geared up to do that. But I think, yeah, I, I, I see where you're coming from in terms of this is this is a fundamental change, which is why, you know, we're, people are pushing very much towards KMM to solve a lot of the historical problems that we had uh, with cross-platform or hybrid approaches. Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of, uh, you know, sayings also like single source of truth, don't repeat yourself and all those stuff, right? So that mm. kinds of uh, enforces you in the same direction. So as I was uh, mentioning you earlier, what happens is with KMM, uh, they think in, from this perspective that you write all your common uh, code, which could be business logic, uh, getting mm-hmm. data from the network or doing some manipulation over the data, cleaning of the data, whatever thing you have to do with after your business logic or with business logic, that should be written in the KMM thing, which is actually written mm-hmm. in Kotlin. Okay, so mm-hmm. one uh, added advantage for the Kotlin developers. So <laughs> everything that is written in Kotlin, and then that piece of logic or that thing is being exposed to the iOS and the Android developer, which they can move further and try to manipulate data over the top of it. Mm-hmm. So. So what Kotlin multi-platform is doing it, it's basically creating a library or exposing a library for you with all your business logic written in Kotlin. Mm-hmm. Over the top of that, you can use that in Android and iOS to just display it on the UI. So still you're writing your all your code in Jetpack Compose or Swift UI, or traditionally, if you want to do your storyboards with Objective-C or XML in Android, you still get mm-hmm. do that. And there will be no performance hits or anything, right? Because you're still writing the UI that's more fundamental on building on UI, which takes most of the processing time. So sure. you're still doing it in the native uh, technologies. And it's just the logic part that have you that you have exposed to the Kotlin multi-platform. So that's why, like I was saying earlier, I don't see this as a hybrid approach. I see it's mm-hmm. m- more on a native approach. It's just, I have been clever enough to understand, okay, this is the part which I can expose as a library for both of the platforms. And to mind you, like Kotlin multi-platform for mobile, but it is basically Kotlin multi-platform. So mm-hmm. it allows you to extend your project for Mac OS, Windows, mm-hmm. desktop, whatever you want, okay? so. You can use it anywhere. So it's kind of letting you spread your wings to other side of the world as well. Okay, so if, if I'm a company and I'm producing mobile apps, this sounds incredibly exciting. You know, essentially keeping all the business logic in one single place, which not only reduces development time, but obviously the maintenance and updates of, of those apps. You know, we're, we're all used to that update cycle. So it's it's keeping all the business logic in one place. It's reducing my costs of development and increasing my flexibility. Do I have to go all in on KMM or can I incrementally 
start to use this in an existing app, pieces of an existing app to start to replace that business logic, for example? Yes, definitely. You can go incrementally. There is no push that you have to start a very fresh project with that. It's very simple as well. Like uh, for Android developers, it's just like create a uh, KMM library and expose it to your mm-hmm. Android application. Likewise with the Xcode as well. Now very re- with the recent update, Xcode has also started um, providing natively support for Kotlin multi-platform projects as well. So you don't have to bother there as well. Just add the corresponding dependencies and you're good to go. Okay, so I can take a, if I have a mobile app and I want to go the KMM route, I can take an incremental approach to this. So it doesn't matter that it's, you know, I built my app on Compose or or I'm using Swift UI or anything like that. I can slowly start to introduce KMM elements into into my development process. Yes, uh, you can do that. So let's say, for example, you decided that I want to add an offline functionality for your app and you happens to use Realm for that, which is a MongoDB product. So you don't Mm -hmm. have to do anything like you just simply write the KMM layer for the Realm, which supports that thing. And then you can just include that ARR file or lib file in the respective projects. And then you're good to go. So you don't have to bother how you know, uh, the things are getting saved. It will be saved at one position, uh, one location exposed to both of the projects. Okay. And that was a, a super nice segue into, into Realm. Um, so obviously Realm is, is MongoDB product. And as you said, we, we have a, we released our, our Kotlin SDK um, to general availability back at MongoDB World, which was in New York in June. And um, so that's been out for a number of months now. Tell our audience a little bit about that Kotlin SDK and, you know, it's a couple of years in the making. What does Realm give a mobile developer? And, you know, in, certainly in the context of KMM as well, too. Realm has been an interesting uh, product, especially around uh, iOS technologies. Because if you ask any iOS developer, have you used Realm? They'll probably say yes. But they might not have mm-hmm. used the new Realm because... Earlier, Realm was primarily used for as a local mobile database. But now when mm-hmm. uh, it collaborated with MongoDB, it is much more powerful just being a local database now. Like there are various other functions that allows you to take your data out of the box to the cloud as well. So in general, it's a one place solution for adding an offline capability to any of the application which kinds of reduces your overhead of playing around with the data, manipulating it, converting either into tables or JSON just to save it. Because Realm is an object-oriented database. So basically, you can just directly save your object into it. You don't have to bother, how should I convert it into a table or a JSON just to save it internally, Mm -hmm. right? You don't have to think about that. It comes out of the box for you. The querying mechanism is... Is really nice with the new SDK, which is built upon Kotlin multi-platform. You can use all the Kotlin functionalities like coroutines, the programming syntax. So everything is very clean and neat as compared to what you were used to do with Java. Because at that point of time, the best way of doing things was reactive uh, way of doing, but mm-hmm, still it mm-hmm. has a certain level of callback hell. But here with uh, coroutines, even that has reduced and cleared out the way for most of the developers. So definitely, I would recommend you to hit out and try to build a small app wherein you'll see how easy and convenient it is to save your data with a mobile application. Yeah, and, and there's very little mobile apps. And, and we, we tend, as we said at the beginning and the introductions, the app stores have been around for a number of years now, and we're very used to highly performant, you know, stable apps, but it wasn't always the case. And I certainly remember that back in the day, you know, managing your local database and managing some way to sync that data that you had locally on your device back somewhere to the cloud was always difficult. And and that's really where where Realm stepped in. And I know we spoke about offline, um, but we do like to think of it as not offline anymore, as always online. In other words, you will never notice the fact that you're offline because offline still exists even though we living in the world of 4G and 5G and ubiquitous data connectivity, it still exists. There's black spots, you go into a subway, etc. You You don't want to have that experience and we all know 
how frustrating that spinning wheel is. Um, so, you know, we don't want to give that user experience back to any users of our app. And, you know, obviously we're all in on Realm here at MongoDB, but do check it out. It's very straightforward. If I was using Realm already um, and say before the Kotlin SDK came out and was GA and I was using the Java SDK, can I move? Can I change my app from using the Java SDK across to the Kotlin SDK? Can I migrate? Yes, definitely. You can migrate that. We have built in special provisioning to make the migration very less painful. Like as I mentioned to you earlier that uh, with Kotlin multi-platform, you can go incrementally. Likewise, with Realm migration, you can mm -hmm. go incrementally as well. Like we are not forcing you to just stop all your development and migrate to the new SDK because it's cooler. No, mm -hmm. you can take a smaller step, move the applications, one, uh, move the logic or the data one by one. Because at MongoDB, we understand it's not easy to migrate data or change your application in, in a day or so, right? It takes, you, you have mm -hmm. taken a couple of months or years just to build that logic and we are asking you to migrate it overnight. No, we give you the flexibility to migrate it over the period of time so that you can use the both side of the world. And once you're fully committed to it, you can slowly start deprecating or changing, getting rid of the old SDK. Okay, okay. So again, it's a, it's a kind of an incremental process for somebody to move to the newer the newer versions of that SDK. Somebody might be along the lines of thinking of moving to KMM and, you know, you every few I don't know what the time period is, but generally, you know, you need to migrate and update apps regularly. There is a natural cadence and a flow in the mobile space because there's a new versions of operating systems around this time every year, kind of the September, October timeframe, um, when developers at least have to dive back in to make sure that their current app is compatible with the new versions of the operating systems. And I know from my experience, that's when you would take care of a lot of uh, maintenance as well, too. The one thing about having Realm in your app and using the Kotlin SDK is it does very easily give you access to Atlas Device Sync and Atlas App Services. So it'll allow you very simply to get the data that's on your local device back onto Atlas, which is our hosted platform for a database. And once there, you can do a lot more uh, with that data. People sometimes, and I don't know your experience as well too, Mohit, is you know they think of, well, I don't need Sync. Uh, and, you know, I, everything's on the device. I've queried uh, an API and I've downloaded everything and I've parsed it and I'm storing it locally. But many developers need to understand that people migrate between operating systems. So I have an app and I've set up some settings and set up some preferences myself and I'm moving from iOS to Android. Well, you know, I don't want to have to change that when I go and download the equivalent Android app and my new device there. So there's lots of different ways that you would need to have sync when it's not instantly apparent that you're collaborating or sharing on anything with a group. Um, but there's lots of other ways to do that, correct? Yeah, and to be very frank, like even let's uh, take the dis uh, discussion of uh, whether your user is on the two devices or not. Even if you, you're you are very much sure that he'll not change his device, he'll be on that exact device every time you will still have to write the code for downloading the data from the API, then passing mm -hmm. it along the way, and then saving it into whether Realm or core data or Room, whatever. You'll have to do that manipulation of the object, right? When you're getting mm -hmm. all these functionality, mm -hmm. functionality out of the box, why wouldn't you do that, right? It's like somebody's telling you this is a trick, and you're saying, no, I don't want to do the trick. I'll reinvent the wheel for myself again. <laughs> Yeah, I think the I think the analogy of reinventing the wheel is is really important. I think you know once you try to build this for yourself, what you get out of the box with with our, our realm SDKs, you know the the custom networking, the serialization, conflict resolution, etc. These are hard problems. There's hundreds, if not thousands, of developers trying to solve these problems over the years, and. I always feel that, you know, if you're building an app, your time is much better put towards making that app experience as nice and as enjoyable as possible and not writing boilerplate code. You know, there's some people who take a proprietary approach to things and want to create their own 
But I know from ex- prior experience too that time and time again they come back and it's all been too hard and it doesn't work. And that's a lot of maintenance of something that essentially your users don't see happening in the background. We take this for granted. Um, so really what you want to invest your time and money in and building a mobile app is, is the user experience and everything that happens on that screen, on that user's device. Yeah, and what I've seen with my working on products, this problem of giving the right experience to user every time, sometimes product owner uh, straightforward shy away and they say, no, we work only on online. We don't care about offline users because they know Mm -hmm. this is a very hard and a big problem to solve. But Mm -hmm. I think so they have never experienced a platform like this, which gives this functionality out of the box or else they would have simply said it. Why don't you go and just use Realm because it's coming out of the box. I'm getting additional (laughs) set of users. So why should I not do it? Uh, Don't try to think that I'm trying to boost what what I'm working upon. It is what I've experienced actually. So definitely I would like to recommend anyone who is in the mobile world, just go and try check it out. Like try to see it yourself, whether it's actually helping you you or not. Sometimes it might not, then do reach out to us on Twitter or our forums and we'll be happy to help you out in that case. But my experience and my take is that you should definitely explore it. Yeah, and, and look, I think in, in the context of KMM, what we're speaking about today, I think, you know, Realm serves the same, you know, it reduces complexity, it reduces costs, it increases your flexibility. So that's, you know, it kind of falls into the same box as, as the advantages of KMM as well, too. If I'm a developer and I'm around the edges of mobile and I'm trying to increase my knowledge, as you said earlier, you're... Your day-to-day job is a lot of new things and a lot of learning. Where do you go to learn, Mohit? And how do you keep a pace of what's going on in the mobile space? So basically, my take on that is talk to people. Because no matter how many blogs you'll read, Mm -hmm. how many uh, websites you serve, or how many feeds you have on your mobile, you will never have the right amount of time to update yourself with that. Because you have an actual Mm -hmm. job as well, right? Which you have to fulfill. So if you want to be updated, try to attend kind of meetups uh, that are getting organized. Try to listen to podcasts and all those stuff. Like try to gain more uh, knowledge passively, right? Rather than just going and reading blogs. Mm -hmm. My take has been always like this. If you want to learn something, talk to people, attend conferences, meetups and everything because their people will tend to share their experiences. They'll talk about, hey, there's a new framework coming up. Have you tried that? So that has been always my uh, secret thing of learning things because even in an organization, I used to organize these small uh, brown back sessions saying, mm-hmm. okay, let's talk about it. You don't have anything prepared. It's fine. Like, have you read any blog? What have you read? So in this way, I'll always tend to know 15, 20% and I'll also get to know their own take on that. So that kind of serves me two purpose. I'm always aware what things are moving around in technology. Plus, I also know what are the first challenges which people are facing around it. And if that interests me, I further go and dig down into it. Okay, you know, that's very interesting. I I like that idea and, and, you know, that you can learn a lot from the community and participating in activities within the community. Because I think when you're online, you're you know, Stack Overflow or on YouTube looking for information, et cetera, as well, too. You're really only looking for the answer to a question that you have. And once you've got your answer, you're back in your development environment trying to fix the current error and move on. I think, in my experience anyway, if the more you kind of interact with the community, be it in person or online, you get to have a shared experience, really, with them. And you learn things that you might necessarily have an immediate need or requirement for, but you know you put them in the back of your in your own personal backlog and and understand that I can learn from this and, and use it forward as well too. Obviously, I presume you know you, you go to the usual places. Um, you ask questions on Stack Overflow. You jump onto YouTube uh, to watch some tutorials as well too. You and is there anywhere else that you would recommend? If actually going back to an earlier question. If I was not a mobile developer today and I wanted to get started, you know, going back to our very, very early start of this podcast, would you say native or would you say Kotlin multi-platform? 
And you're going to contradict me now because you're going to say Kotlin multi-platform is native, right? Yeah, Kotlin multi-platform because that's the choice. <laughs> but if you happen to look around around Kotlin multi-platform, you'll also know that it is currently on the alpha. It's not even beta. So you that might raise your ears a little mm-hmm. bit. But let me tell you, like at Realm, we have invested in that, seeing the advantages of it. We took the risk as well, but we see we have seen the advantages. And even a lot of companies have taken that risk to go along that lines because they understand the value and the benefits that are coming through with my experiences like we have a couple of repositories on mongodb developers that's the our github handle wherein you'll find uh, applications mm-hmm. like passkeeper or expense manager where we have used kotlin multi platform that can uh, be a head start for you if you want uh, like a uh, application to understand with that applications when i was building through i I realized that the platform is st- it is very much stable even though it's in the alpha phase. Yes, there are a few hiccups, but mm-hmm. if you search for those hiccups on Google, you'll find it very quickly. So the platform is very much active. Kotlin itself has a dedicated channel within their uh, Slack, okay, which deals only with multi-platform. Mm-hmm. So you can go and subscribe there. Like if you have a super urgent problem or you know like you want to actually talk to people like rather than just putting on stack overflow waiting for a while you can go there and people are uh, right. helpful there you'll see the kind of responses that are flowing through in a, each day you'll understand how active the community is all around kotlin multi platform okay and when i search for kotlin i see jetbrains in the results tell me about the relationship between kotlin and jetbrains if somebody doesn't know already it is basically coming from the JetBrains. So originally, Java used to be coming from Sun or long back. Okay, the same relations mm-hmm. goes with uh, Kotlin and JetBrains. They are supporting the language. They are the main developers of the language and building it along the way. So that's how the JetBrains came into the picture. I think that going back to what you said about learning and experimenting is key and crucial as well too and you know if you're a developer the best thing to do is you know go and you know read some tutorials or go to some meetups etc but then to start to play with code and um, what would be kind of your go-to thing that you would build when you're trying to learn a new language or a new framework what would you what would you first try to build with something to know that i can i can Take what I know maybe in another language and transpose it across and see, is this more performant for me? Is this something that I prefer? Is this something I said? Is it a simple table view app, that you a list view that you might put together or, or what would you do? I'm a developer by heart. So basically, I like to learn by writing up more code. I'm never a kind of a uh, like a developer that wherein I'll first read the documentation and see, try to understand, okay, what are the benefits? I'll go and research with few other blogs and YouTube videos. And that's not uh, how I'm programmed myself. Uh, so normally my approach would be first go on the official documentation. So in this case, I go and check the, the Kotlin uh, website and see, okay, how is Hello World app built along? I just take that code base. Mm-hmm. I try to play a few uh, bits and pieces, try to ch- change from Hello World to Hello MongoDB or Hello Realm, whatever. Okay. And then once I'm done with that, then I start building my own small calculator app or an app which simply captures mm-hmm. the user information and all those stuff. That's how I, I always try to learn any new technology or the platform. Definitely, it has its own advantages and disadvantages. The biggest disadvantage could be like the no-go I'll come to know after I've spent a a large amount of time understanding that platform. But as a developer, that's more convenient to me that I don't have to read and process information in English. I am very happy processing uh, information via code. That keeps me more attached Mm -hmm. to the ground how to make the right informed decision for myself. Sure. No, that that makes perfect sense. And I think also, as you said earlier, the, the advantages of KMM is that you can incrementally adopt it and get it into your app over time as well too. And it'll still, you know, live alongside your shared technologies that you have elsewhere in your app. So you can put a toe in the water, right? Uh, if you have something that you have already, you can change a portion of that to use KMM and see how it works out. Yeah, definitely. 
so basically uh, even if if your app is working for a large organization and there are architects and solution uh, managers involved in it they'll also go with this approach they will like to just test the waters how the things are moving ahead for them and then fully dive into it so if kmm and realm is giving you that opportunity why shouldn't you go ahead with that just try it whether it's uh, working out for you not and if it does then you can move ahead along that lines Excellent. So, I mean, I think certainly I, I, I'd be keen to, you know, see how it ex- puts forward, I suppose, those, those possibilities. If I was building an app at the moment, I would be really considering using KMM, certainly starting from scratch, because of all of those opportunities of the, the shared business logic. It's in one place, the, the right once run anywhere. And as we said and touched on briefly, it's not just mobile. You know, this is web, this is desktop, everything else as well too, correct? Yes, definitely. So one more added point, you don't have to even think about whether I have to create a hybrid app or a native app because that's you're getting out of the box. So because mm-hmm. business managers will always, you know, think about the costing as well, right? So even if you're building from very scratch, you'll have to give them also that is in their favor. So I'll definitely go into it. But with technology, I'll also say one thing that any technology is not built for all the solutionings, right? So it's not like that KMM mm-hmm. will solve every problem for every developer. It might not solve for you as well. So what I'm trying to say, it's not one go solution for all the problems you have in your life. Not in life, basically as a developer. <laughs> if it could fix all of those, we'd be very good. Yes, definitely. But it might solve most of your problems trying to understand whether I should take a decision of hybrid or native, how many people will I be required to maintain one app and all those stuff. So definitely you should go and give a try at least, try to understand. If you don't like it, you can easily get get rid of it as well. So you have win-win from both sides. Yeah, and there's a low barrier to entry, I suppose. And I think I saw a statistic somewhere that I think it's about 70% of the apps in the Google Play Store today are Kotlin-based uh, apps, um, pretty much. So there's a huge cohort of people already writing in Kotlin, who familiar in writing in Kotlin, who now, by adopting KMM, can actually deploy to the iOS app store and to web and desktop. I think it's a, it's a superb scenario to be in, and it's come a long way uh, from where we were at the beginning of mobile development. And all of these, as I said, other frameworks and you know cross-platform hybrid technologies promising the earth, but they all failed to deliver, um, I think. And, and everybody, I think, certainly in the mobile space, uh, we do gravitate towards the shiny new thing as developers. We go, yeah, let's play with this. Let's play with this platform. And then they have, I, I don't know what the name of the graph is, but there's, you know, this graph of kind of promise. And then there's this, this valley of kind of nothing, you know, kind of where you, you're not familiar with the platform or you're not familiar with the program. And then you're kind of self-doubting. Have I chosen the right technology or framework to do what I want to do? But I think that probably is very much reduced in this respect because of that huge developer experience building in Kotlin, who can now adopt KMM, and all of a sudden they've got the rest of the operating systems and platforms open to them. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's superbly promising, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, But Shane, I think so you're missing out the iOS developers. Like with Swift coming into picture, and most of the apps written now in Kotlin, if you compare the syntax of both Swift and Kotlin, it's almost the same. So don't okay. neglect the iOS developer or don't think it will be a barrier for iOS developers as well. It's very convenient for them. Definitely, uh, you are changing one uh, programming language, so there will be some uh, pieces here and there, like say, for example, coroutines. It's not available in uh, Swift, as per my knowledge. Mm-hmm. So there will be a few uh, bits and pieces here and there, but they will be very easily able to read code and write code. So it's a low entry barrier for iOS developer as well, which is a very added advantage because you're trying to solve problem for both of the platforms. So now there is one language which both uh, developers kind of understand. Earlier, it was not like that. Java was very different. Objective-C was very different. But with Swift and Kotlin, I think so they have aligned pretty much same. 
Perfect. No, and, and I appreciate you bringing me up on that because, you know, if, as you say, the syntax is very similar and they can, you know, I, I think that's probably the greatest barrier to any developer adopting something new is, you know, this looks strange to me. This is very different. I, I don't understand the structure here. You know, the, you know, we always have these <laughs> conversations about different style brackets, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So the fact that the syntax is very similar to an iOS developer, I think is, you know, that should bring, and I'm right in saying, I mean, these two worlds you needed as a mobile company, perhaps, or a company with a mobile app to produce these apps for these two different OSs. And per our examples, you had maybe different teams doing that. To bring these worlds together and to make it simple is only going to improve the experience of, of that app as a whole. And KMM allows it to still as you say, it's still going to be native looking. All the UI is going to be native. Everything is going to be the same. We've seen some cross-platform apps in the past produce a UI that doesn't look neither this nor that. <laughs> it's not native. And it's very scary, right? Yes. But this is yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the UI and the UX is going to be fully native for anyone to using KMM. Yeah, that's that's one of my you know punchline in uh, KMM talks. Earlier with these hybrid platforms, designer was also trying to be creative. Like they'll put a back uh, mm -hmm. button on uh, <laughs> one of the platforms, and they say, "Oh, isn't it eligible? Like I can do that, right?" But then you'll tell, "No, the user is not used to it, so he doesn't know what to do with that." Or they'll just mess up the back arrow altogether. And Android, they'll put iOS, and iOS, they'll put Android. So, you know, now these all problems are gone away like, because it's purely native. And look how performance is getting impacted with the hybrid platform because you're trying to access the underlying platforms. You're trying to build UI in a third la uh, language. Mm -hmm. Now you don't have to do that, right? It's very simple. And with since you touched upon this point, like I would like to tell you one more thing. Let's say, for example, you want to access look user location, okay? Even more simpler, you just want to get a random string, okay? Both the technologies have a different uh, way of doing it. In Android, uh, uh, it would be from the Java SDK or from the Kotlin SDK. In uh, iOS, it would be from the UIKit or from somewhere else. Like, mm -hmm. still, you can use the same thing in the shared code base. Like, still, you have certain provisioning that you can use certain underlying platform APIs just to write the business logic. Somebody might mm -hmm. misuse it to build the UI there as well, but I think so they won't do it because they'll understand why they are doing it. So I mm will -hmm. say that still you have the flexibility of uh, writing your shared business logic with the platform APIs as well. And over the top mm -hmm. of that, try to build your UI natively, which is very convenient for any mobile developer, I think so. Yeah, no, totally. I think, I mean, I think if we take anything from our conversation today, it's the fact that this seems to, you know, it doesn't have any of the pitfalls that would have been associated with other platforms and hybrid approaches in the past, that this is, I find it difficult to see any real downsides to adopting KMM in a potential future development. Irrespective of the pitfalls, the first thing is, how will I go and try it, right? Here, you don't even have to worry because it's in the language which you understand, right? So even mm -hmm. if you don't understand all the bits and pieces, it's fine. Just go and try it out. If you don't find it good, roll back to what you were doing earlier. But with earlier Flutter <laughs> or React Native, just go and learn new technology first. Try to understand how the data is being passed from one screen to another. Now you don't have to mess around your head just to get started. It's still the same way which you used to do earlier in the almost the same language you are doing right now, considering iOS developer. And mm -hmm. you're happy to go ahead with KMM. Excellent. And I think that's a, a very salient place to leave this conversation. Go ahead with KMM. If you take nothing from this podcast, take that. Mohit says, go ahead with KMM. And I'm, I'm delighted to do that. It's, it's been superb to have you join me. Um, it's been a pleasure chatting to you and hope to get you back on board uh, the podcast as we maybe try and keep up, uh, I suppose, more of a focus uh, for Realm and for our mobile listeners as well, too. Um, so we'll certainly get you back. I know, Mohit, you do events as well, too, and live streams, etc. So for the listeners, go to essentially mongodb.com um, and use the navigation there to jump into our community where you'll see our events and our listings that are there. 
We also write content on the Developer Center all the time. Uh, so you can go and look there at the MongoDB uh, Developer Center where you can go in and filter by language of choice. So go in and pick Kotlin and you'll see all the Kotlin-related articles as well too, some of whom who have Mohit's name on it as well. And I think keep an eye on Twitter. Go to realm.io for to see the latest there. You can go into the downloads page and see what we have recording regarding all the different SDKs as well too. And we continually add new articles there. I know that we have learned how to build an Android app. We have Android database articles as well too. So uh, for any of the mobile developers out there, please jump in there. Mohit, it's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining us. And thank you, Shane, for inviting me. I really love to have the chat with you again. Excellent. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks to Mohit for joining me. A really enjoyable chat and lots to unpack there. We certainly could have gone on for lots more discussion. If you do want to learn more, do remember to check out the show notes for links and also go to realm.io to check out our Realm Kotlin SDK, which went at GA General Availability back in June of this year at MongoDB World. And there you'll find links to our docs and tutorials and everything that you might need to get started building with the Realm Kotlin SDK. Have you heard of MongoDB.local events? A MongoDB.local event is an in-person event and a day filled with educational breakout sessions, an announcement-packed keynote presentation, customer stories, free one-on-one Ask the Experts sessions, and lots of networking opportunities and much, much more. In October, November, and December, we have dot .local events in San Francisco, Dallas, London, and Toronto. You can find out more about these at mongodb.com forward slash events. And the best part of all, all the mongodb.local events are free to attend. Thanks for listening, and do check out the show notes for any links and references mentioned. Thanks to Mohet for joining me, and thanks to you too, the listener, for tuning in. As always, if you did enjoy this episode and haven't done so already, please do leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really does help us a lot, and we very much appreciate it. So from me, Shane McAllister, until next time, do take care, and thanks for listening.